Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Matt Smith, with the Strength Talking Shop podcast. Our sponsor this week for the podcast is Optimum Nutrition Athletics. We all know that protein is the key to muscle and recovery, and Gold Standard's best-selling 100% whey protein provides 24 grams of protein that mixes easily using just a glass and spoon. Gold Standard 100% whey is made in their state-of-the-art facility. It's banned substance tested by Informed Choice. Optimum Nutrition Athletics Program, you can get different products such as their Pro Gainer, which is the Mass Gainer, their Protein Snacks, which are crisp bars, wafers, cake bites, and almonds. And after dominating the sports nutrition industry for over 30 years, newly created Optimum Nutrition Athletics brings that same trust and quality that knows how to put convenient options for protein in the hands of athletes who desire to become bigger, stronger, and better at their sport. If this is something that you guys are interested in and in getting into your athletics facility, getting into your gym, make sure you reach out to Dave Harvey of Optimum Nutrition Athletics. All of his information is down in the show notes, guys. I highly suggest you reach out to him and look into the products that they have. This is a company that I believe in. Uh, they have amazing products. I use all their whey proteins, their caseins, their isolates. Um, I, I love their snacks. They're so easy to grab on the go if you need something quick for the protein. Um, as a former strength coach, I know how hard that is for athletes to get that protein in. So I think, really, if this is something you're interested in, make sure you reach out to Dave Harvey. And thank you so much for Optimum Nutrition Athletics for being our sponsor of the podcast this week, guys. Our guest this week is Guy Centra of the University of Oregon. This is a wonderful episode um, where Geisen talks about his story of, of leaving the islands of Hawaii and becoming a strength and conditioning coach. He was a counselor. I don't want to spoil everything, but he was a counselor, and he always had this interest in strength and conditioning and the fight that he had to have to, to make it into this field. As we all know as strength coaches, as me being a former strength coach, I understand what that battle is and, and working for free at a lot of places, but you finally make it to, to your destination. And he is doing amazing things. I really suggest you look out to his YouTube videos. Follow him on Instagram and Twitter. He's always putting out really great information. And he really makes me think a lot about speed and agility in a different way on this episode and through our conversation that we had off air. So, guys, make sure you reach out to him. Reach out to all of our past guests. I'm so very thankful to, to be able to have this podcast and all of you that, that help support it uh, for our sponsor, Optimum Nutrition Athletics, and just everybody that, that helps make this podcast possible. So thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to all of our past guests. Guys, make sure you rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Always have a new episode up for you every Monday. Um, we're now on YouTube, so if that's something you're interested to as well. So thank you to our past guests. Thank you to our future guests. And thank you to everybody that supports this podcast. Thank you, uh, guys, for being on the podcast this week as well. And everybody, stay strong. What's up, guys? Strength Talking Shop podcast. Super excited to have a wonderful guest this week, man from the West Coast up in Oregon, Guy Tara. How are you this morning, brother? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. When I was doing a little bit of background, um, I always like to do a little bit of you know, research on, my, on the guests that are going to come on here. Uh, that's obviously our, our first time connecting and everything. Man, uh-huh. I, I was reading a little bit of kind of your, your bios that you've had up there. Interesting story, man. Um, are you originally from Hawaii, correct? Yep, I grew up in Hawaii. Yep, born and raised. Man, that's that's crazy. Luxury. Yeah, that's that's me and the <clears throat> and the wife's uh, plan to go out there and, and vacation in the near future, man. But for sure, you gotta do it. So for the for the listeners, um, 
you want to go and give them a little bit about, you know, your story, how you got into this, this crazy world of what is strength and conditioning, brother? Yeah, I, I love telling this story because um, I took a very unorthodox, very curvy road to the, uh, the position that I'm in right now. Um, like I said, I grew up in Hawaii. Um, I went to the University of Hawaii as a, as a college student. I didn't actually know about the field at all of strength and conditioning. I, I kind of stumbled upon it uh, by accident. I, I took a, a, a weird path to class one day and I, I happened to walk past the, the athlete's weight room. And uh, I just kind of peeked in there, I cracked the door and it was just like a crazy atmosphere. People were doing dips with chains on their necks and they're doing farmer's carries with these heavy sandbags and the, you know, the music was blaring and the coaches were yelling. It was crazy. And I was, I was like, man, that looks like a lot of fun, you know? So I waited outside that weight room until at the time we had to get like these internship or practical hours done to graduate. And I was looking for a, a place to do it. And I, I just happened to stumble upon that, that weight room that day. And so after that session, I waited outside the weight room. I went inside to the head guy and he was starting up his next session, which was a bad idea. But I walked in, I was like, Hey, I'm, kind of want to learn about what you do and can I come and volunteer and he looked at me and he's like what the hell like <laughs> he's like I guess yeah he's like yeah come, come tomorrow morning we start at six so I was like okay so next morning I show up 5 58 I walk in there and I get I get chewed out and he's like if we start at 6 a.m you better be here at 5 30 like there's no way that you're gonna know what we're doing if we, you start you come in right when we start you know so I was like, all right, cool. Like, that's a good, good wake up call for that because, you know, it kind of put me in my place at the time. And so I spent the whole year, my last year of college, just uh, being an intern there. And I didn't, I didn't know anything about coaching or anything. I knew that I liked to, to train and work out and had some knowledge in it. But, you know, as a non-college athlete, uh, I didn't know what that was like, you know, so I, I pretty much learned about the profession within that year. And then I graduated. And as you know yourself, getting a job in this profession is, is, is so hard, just especially with, without experience. And to get experience, you need a shot, right, from someone and, and vice versa. So after college, I kind of had to try to find my path. So I dabbled into all these different fields in, in, uh, in sports medicine. I tried the physical therapy thing for a little bit. Didn't like that. I tried athletic training, and I actually kind of liked it but it was something that I liked that I didn't, I didn't love, you know? So I ended up, while I was doing these internship hours, I ended up kind of getting a uh, feeling that I wanted to work with kids. So I ended up getting a master's degree in counseling and school counseling. And I went through that and uh, worked as a school counselor for, for a number of years. And that was gonna be my career as far as I was concerned. Um, but I always kind of had this, uh, this feeling or this like interest in the strength and conditioning field after that, after that internship. And even though I wasn't that experienced, I always kind of knew like, hmm, I, I want to do that. Like that, that's something that I would like to do with my life. Yeah. And so even as a school counselor full-time, um, I found ways to coach. And it started off me being a wrestling coach for the high school that I was working at. Uh, but then it turned into, they found out that I had a little bit of a background. So they're like, hey, can you train some of our athletes that are going on to college? And it, it just grew. And so my day, 
the toughest part of my, I think my professional life was in the morning, we'd have 5.30 a.m. strength and conditioning groups. So we'd have, we'd go 5.30 to 6.30. And these kids were um, from a school that was very low on the socioeconomic ladder, um, a very poor community. And, you know, there's all kinds of those barriers that, you know, you, you, you think about with that kind of community. And so things like truancy and, you know, not showing up to school on time, that was a big deal. So the fact that I could get them to come to a 5.30 a.m. lift um, get their work got in and get, get the class on time was, was a proud moment for me. So, and these kids would show up. I mean, I, I couldn't believe how, how many kids would, would, would get there. We'd have a mix of foot, football and baseball and volleyball players. And we just train at five 30 in the morning and get, and get the class. And then, so from eight, 8 AM to 4 PM, I was a school counselor. And then I'd go back to the weight room in the afternoon and go from four 30 to seven and train afternoon, uh, afternoon groups. And it was at that, that time when I realized that, that was, this was my passion. Like I knew that that's what I wanted to do with my life because those, the morning group and the afternoon group was just the best time of my day. And so I had been working at the high school for two or three years and I just kind of said, I told my wife, I was like, hey, I'm gonna quit. <laughs> you know, it didn't, it didn't make any sense. Like, professionally it didn't make sense financially for sure and I was like hey I'm gonna go be an intern because I knew that I wanted to work with the college um, the college age kids because they're kind of at that age where they're still kids but they're still shapeable and learning what kind of uh, I guess adults they want to be you know so I knew that's the population I wanted to work with I knew I knew I could do it but I had to kind of prove it so at the time, I only had internship experience, so I was like, I need to get more experience. So, um, what I did was I emailed every single Pac-12 school, <laughs> and I just said, Hey, I, I have this one experience. I have high school coaching um, experience, and I was like, Hey, I, I want to try and intern. And none of them responded. I went down the line. Everyone, Arizona State, Colorado, you name it, every single Pac-12 school, just because it was closest to Hawaii at the time. So got all the way down to the bottom and it just went, just went alphabetical order. So the last one I emailed was UCLA and just so happened within that same day, coach Lynn called, uh, called me back. Wow. And I was like, man, like within the day it was, it was, I think it was like two hours later. <laughs> and so they, they got me an interview. They, I remember them asking me, why, why do you want to do this? Because it seems like you're taking a step back. You know, you have a full-time job, you have a career in front of you why would you want to be an intern? And I, I remember thinking that's the easiest question I've ever answered is, you know, it's not a step back for me because if you're going to follow what you really love, it's, it's really the first step toward making your life what you want it to be. Exactly. So it wasn't really a step back for me. It was really like a, a step, a jump leap forward actually. So um, got to UCLA. I, I interned there for the whole summer, um, ran out of money <laughs> So we, we, we had a whole summer, we had to do the whole coaching deal from sun up to sundown, um, no income. So you, I'm sure you know, living in LA is pretty tough yeah. financially. So I, I lived in Westwood with this random college kid. <laughs> I was already a pretty old guy. I was 28 years old at the time. So I'm 28 year old, old guy living with this young college kid <laughs> and uh, I'll be gone before he got up. I'll be, I'll be back, you know, you know at, 
uh, sundown. So it was a weird experience, but it was the best best time because those guys there they they showed me the example of what a strength coach should be. They they took pride in their jobs. They they did professional development. Then and they took time out of the day to teach us. You know, so that was my actual first time actually coaching collegiate athletes. That was my first time getting a chance to run groups by myself and do mobility flows and all that kind of stuff. And it was it was really what proved to me that I could do this. You know, I knew it in my head, but it, you know, it's not real until you actually do it. So, right. I'm so thankful for those guys, man, just for giving me a shot because they didn't really have to do that. And uh, after f- completing that internship, I returned to Hawaii and uh, there was no jobs, obviously, because there's only one college in, in the state. You know, I mean, there's only one division one college in the state. So uh, I went back and I interned there again. <laughs> so that, that would be my third internship now. So all these, all these guys, I think you, you deserve a job just from one internship. You, you just have to just do what you have to do. So after my third internship, then they finally were like, okay, I will give you a shot. <laughs> at this. So I actually, I, I fortunately got a GA position there at, at the University of Hawaii. And again, that was now my best, best experience because now you, you're fully responsible for teams. You know, you're, you are the guy, even if you're a GA, you're, you're, you're pretty much the full-time strength coach for your assigned team. So I had women's swimming, I had women's tennis, uh, golf and uh, you know track and field and cross country so it was great because I had that whole range of of experience with different sports even at UCLA I had women's soccer and rowing so like the background for me was just is so broad you know which is great for me um, to be able to work with all these different kinds of athletes and so while I was in Hawaii I was obviously enjoying my time. It was tough, but I decided to get a, a master's in business. <laughs> so that was a kind of a crazy deal because I didn't realize uh, what time commitment that that required. Right. So getting an MBA and trying to be a strength coach is, is not a good combo if you're ever thinking about doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow I got through that. I mean, my classmates must have thought I was the worst because... I had no business experience. You know, I, I only had coaching and education, you know, behind me. So I, they probably thought I was an idiot, but <laughs> I somehow got through that. So I came out the back end of that with, a, with an MBA and uh, graduated uh, from UH. And now, and luckily, Oregon came calling. So here I am. I'm here in my uh, third season now. Man, that's a freaking awesome story, man. I, the, the, I think the theme of what you kind of ex- explain there is opportunity. When opportunity came and knocking, you opened that door and, and you just took what was available to you, man. And I think sure. that's super important because I'm sure you took something, well, I know you did. You took something from every single place that you went to and, and a lesson was learned, I'm assuming, and, and just everything that you did there. And it's a, it's a great story of understanding that it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be an overnight thing. It's going to take a lot of long days but man i mean you got an mba out of it um a great mm-hmm. great experience that you talked about with which i'm sure working with all those teams at hawaii ucla and with the high school i'm sure that's really bled into what you're doing now at oregon right all having all that experience with different people yeah absolutely it's it's, 
it's so crazy how your personal philosophy kind of just changes um, depending on who you work for. And for me, I think it's changed for the better just because you're able to kind of just pick, pick and choose what you think makes sense for you and for your athletes. And I was so fortunate because every single place that I, I've been, the philosophy has been almost like polar opposites, you know? So when I was at Hawaii, it's a very blue collar kind of, kind of school. You know, it's a very um, mentally tough kind of school. They, they kind of train that and instill that in their athletes and, uh, at UCLA, they took kind of a really functional joint by joint kind of approach to, right. the, to their training, kind of like a Mike Boyle kind of kind of approach. Um, and then I, of course, I get to Oregon, and, and speed and agility is just the thing. You know, you you need to be an explosive athlete if you're an Oregon athlete. So I, I'm so blessed that I, I don't know if I could ask for a better combination of experiences. Oh yeah, that's. It's awesome when you can get um, good people around you that you can take those little bits and pieces um, mm. from stuff that you're going to like, because let's just add more to your toolbox, man. When you have a, a bigger toolbox, I think it's super important. Instead of saying, I think this, this happens when you're younger. I know it definitely happened with me is I'm like, well, I, I don't like that. I'm not going to use that at all. Well, you might not like it, but at least you should maybe try and understand it. I mean, I think that's important sure. to try, just, just go and understand what, you, what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and you never know, you might, you might think something different later, you know? <laughs> exactly, man. I used to think some of the stuff that I used to think was, was, uh, was stupid. I, I find myself more and more using, and you're like, like, for instance, I think of like CrossFit, right? I don't mm -hmm. believe in training athletes with CrossFit at all whatsoever, but there's a couple things that I might take from them that I'm like, I kind of like that bodybuilding. <laughs> I don't think bodybuilding's, I don't like bodybuilding training. There's a couple things I might steal from them though to use powerlifting, same thing, track mm -hmm. athletes, same thing, sprint and agility. There's always a little bit of something you can add to the toolbox for, from something. You, you don't have to add everything. Yeah. And that's a good thing to think about. Like every one of those different fields, like they do things for a reason usually. So, and I always joke about CrossFit because I'm, I'm, I've been that guy that used to bag on CrossFit too in the past. And then I tried to do CrossFit and I'm like, Oh my God, like this is, this is so hard. <laughs> So I started thinking like maybe these strength coaches hate on CrossFit because they can't do it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, so, it's such a hard thing to do. And so I, I have respect for those guys, man. I don't want to do it, but I have respect for them. Yeah, I don't want to do it either. I'm with you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to kind of go in a little bit. You know, you, you talked a little bit about it. So we've talked about you know, your journey and everything, but I'm interested, you know, what are you doing at Oregon? What, what teams are you working with and, and how you, you know, what's the – the principles and the philosophy here with, with how you train your athletes at Oregon. Yep. At Oregon, I've got uh, four sports. I've got uh, men's and women's golf. I've got lacrosse and I've got a, a sport called acrobatics and tumbling, which is uh, an, uh, an emerging uh, NCAA sport. So um, very, very unique sports in itself, um, which again is another blessing for me because you really have to be at practices. You really have to learn about the sports that you're working with because they are so different in demand, physical demands. Right. So, um, yeah, like I said, the philosophy here is, has always been, I'm sure you've heard of coach Radcliffe. That's my boss. And, um, it's, it's always just about how can you be the best mover? How can you be most efficient in your movement? You know? Um, and that doesn't mean you're, you're, you're doing functional progressions or anything like that. What we're, always trying to make make sure that whatever you do has a purpose 
as to how, how efficiently you move on the field or on the court. So um, when you think about training, let's just take lacrosse for, for one. It's such an agility and speed and, and acceleration dependent sport. You know, they, they say that it's the fastest sport on two feet, which I'm sure football guys will hate that. But um, if you watch lacrosse, you know, and the difference between men's and women's lacrosse is huge too, but if you just watch one player on the, on the field, it's crazy what, what the demand is for them. You know, it's, it's, it's accelerating, decelerating, changing direction, accelerating again, sprinting, sprinting to the other side of the field. It's, it's unbelievable what they're required to do. And then on top of that, they have to play a, a game where they catch a ball with their stick, <laughs> which is another skill in itself. So um, trying to train them for that is, is very, very, um, very challenging, but it's so fun for me because I've always had this kind of interest in, in, in agility training um, from early on. So that, that falls right into my wheelhouse. And then uh, for golf, I, I'm actually a golfer. I, I grew up playing golf as well, had, aside from baseball and wrestling that I did. So um, luckily I, I kind of did that as a sport when I was a kid in the off season, <laughs> uh, when it wasn't baseball season, when it wasn't judo and wrestling season, I would, I would play golf and then I, did junior golf and everything too. So again, that kind of fell into, you know, my wheelhouse. So luckily I, I got women's and men's golf and uh, they're, again, they're, they're a power dependent sport rotationally as, especially, but you've also got to think about the, the mental demand that they, they require. So right. trying to instill that through training is tough because they're never running around. They're, they're always just kind of walking in within their own head. So you, our conditioning, for instance, is very dependent on their attention and their focus, not just kind of trying to kill them with, with a sled or have them run around. It's really got to be thought out as far as what might be beneficial to their health and keeping them healthy. Because really, a golfer doesn't need to be the strongest person if they're very skilled. But obviously, if you hit the ball farther, if you're stronger and you're more durable, it's going to affect your your success in the sport so um they they take it very seriously and i'm very very proud of them you know from where they've come to where they are now they they, they understand the importance of being in the weight room taking care of their bodies as well so they're a great group and then uh that final group acrobats and tumbling if you don't know about the sport it's kind of a mix between uh gymnastics and competitive cheerleading yeah. So these girls are, are, are unbelievable athletes. Like I, I couldn't believe, I didn't know about the sport before I got here, but when I got here for the first time, I saw their first practice and they're doing these tumbling passes on these, this wrestling mat pretty much. Right. And it's just unbelievable how they're able to manipulate their body and master their body weight um, with the sport. And they're able to hold each other above their heads and, and do these acro, acro events and tumbling and toss events. It's, it's just unbelievable. So, Training them in itself is, is, is a challenge because it's unlike any sport I've ever seen. They don't even touch their, their opponents. It's, it's pretty much themselves being a master at what they do. So right. it's, it's so dependent on skill and technique and, and strength for sure. Like they, they're probably the strongest team I've ever worked with pound for pound with, with any sport. So it's, it's really cool to, to, to work with them because they're so willing to train. And I think because of their backgrounds, um, training in the past they're just so efficient and so um, competent in the weight room so it's they're a dream a dream kind of team to work with because it's just fun yeah 
Yeah, it's, it's funny that you say that because I remember um, back when I was a GA, one of my favorite teams to work with, you know, everybody's always rah-rah football, baseball, you know, the main sports, right, was cheerleading, our cheerleading team, because of all the stuff that you're talking about, like how efficient they were. And they were freaking strong, man. And they were excited to be in the weight room. They, you never had to get them up. The, the, you know, that was set by the sport coach, too, with having a great culture and, and showing the importance of what the weight room is. But, man, they, they got after in the weight room. So I could – I can definitely see that here with, with, with your tumbling and everything like that. Um, to kind of go back though, from the beginning with your lacrosse, it's actually kind of funny that you, that you brought that up um, during this pandemic. They were like one of the first sports I saw back with like major, major league lacrosse or something like that. And I, I was watching on ESPN plus, they had a game on. I'm yep. sitting there with my wife and I'm like, I would not want to be a strength coach for one of this sport because of exactly all the things that you talked about. They are cutting and sprinting. And it's a very physical sport. I mean, it's Absolutely. super physical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's. Were you watching a men's game? Yes, I was watching a men's game. I can't yeah. remember what teams yeah. it were. Yeah, so people always say like the men's game is a lot more physical, which it is, but there's a very physical element to the female game as well, where they where they use their sticks to make contact and stuff. Really? And so yeah, so that's actually how they play defense. They have they, they're able to make contact with their with their stick. You can't go up and check people with your stick, obviously, but you can you can hold them in position, you know. So it's it's a very physically demanding sport. And so it's 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 really fun to train them, man, because if you enjoy training speed and agility, like that is the sport to train. Yeah. You yeah. you talk you talked about golf too as well. Um I in my time of working with golf, it's a very interesting sport because you just talked about like the mental side of things. Um, you know, I know in the past, I think it's really important for golf players to have that mental side to things. Um, I know in the past when I've worked with golf athletes, you know, and we just want to get them, some of them, like their goal was, I just want to get through the 18 holes and not be completely exhausted by the end. And any just general strength and conditioning you know, good programs, all programs going to get them that goal. But mm-hmm. to add to that, we, we did a lot of just of me- the mentally training on as far as the conditioning side. So just putting a vest on and put them on an incline and then they're there with their thoughts and stuff like that. What have you kind of found to be successful with those golf athletes and just training them in your programming? Uh, first, so, so the biggest thing for me has just been trying to get buy-in just because um the sport itself, the population itself, there's a lot of outside influence. So pretty much every collegiate golfer has multiple people, you know, influencing their, their thoughts pretty much. So like a typical golfer, if they're high level, they will have a physiotherapist that they work with. They will have a swing coach. They've got their, their head coach and assistant coach. And then of course you've got strength coach over here trying to tell them that they need to lift weights. Right. And so, you've got to really think about how, how you work with these other people. Because for me, it's something that I had to learn. You know, if, if this guy comes in and he's from, from Europe and he's like, Hey, I want, I'm working with this physio guy that, that's telling me to do these corrective exercises and telling me that, you know, I'm, I'm dysfunctional in, in all these places in my body. And I'm looking at him like, Hey, maybe he's, I don't think he's dysfunctional that much, but you can't be like, Hey, that guy's dumb. Like you can't, <laughs> you know, just say like, you have to just do my, 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 program so that's a big part of working with that population is understanding that you're just a piece of their a piece of their life you know and hopefully they see the value in in, you know swing speed and and um, 
how they feel and how healthy they, they, they remain. So for, for me, it's been figuring out how to work with these other professionals because obviously they all have their best interests in mind. And you just kind of got to remember that, you know, you're just a part of, of the, this person's success. So it, it's, it's kind of a humbling, humbling, a humbling deal for, for me having to go through, you know, just talking to different people, trying to justify what, we, what, what you're doing, even though you don't really have to, but it's important for these, these athletes to know that you, you're willing to hear everyone, everyone's voice. Yeah. And it just shows that you care for them. And like you said, you're putting the, their best interests uh, for the athlete. I think that's what's important, man. I think once you get that, that's where that buy-in really comes in because you're, you're truly caring and they can see, okay, they, they want me to be in my best position forward. I think once you get that across with the athlete, it's, pretty smooth sailing from there. There's always going to be things that you kind of tweak and everything like that. I love the dysfunctional comment though. It's so true because uh, I can't remember who it was that had a post up with like Michael Johnson and, you know, like Usain Bolt, he has like extreme internal rotation when he sprints, but he's the fastest man on earth. I'm sorry. Sometimes this is going to happen. Yeah. Are you going to tell him that he's dysfunctional? Exactly. <laughs> I'm not. No, I'm not telling him at all. Um, <laughs> And I think Division One, especially Division One athletes, but I think all athletes at all levels, to some extent, they're just master compensators. Our job is to is to really kind of bring those in because they all are master compensators, especially at the the high Division One level at schools like yourself, Oregon. I mean, these kids these kids have all got some kind of a dysfunction. We just got to be able sure. to manage it. And sometimes that that dysfunction is what allows them to be so efficient at their sport. Exactly. You know, so it's not just about being symmetrical at all times. It's not, we're not trying to be Arnold Schwarzenegger and be good on both sides of your body. You know, it's, sometimes that makes you better. Absolutely, man. You've, you've highlighted a little bit, uh, a little bit on this episode, but I want you to dive in a little bit more. And, and by the way, I'm going to give a shout out to you real quick. You got a great YouTube videos on this with your agility and stuff like that. So everybody you, make sure you reach out and, and check those out. But Talk to me a little bit about that speed and agility. You guys are, you know, really big on that with Oregon. It's something that I'm fascinated with, and I want to learn a little bit more from you about it. Yeah, that's that's a big deal for me. Um, it's kind of a big reason why I wanted to work here uh, at Oregon. Everybody kind of thinks like the first thing you think about is like we got great facilities and we we get all this cool gear that we get to wear, which is true. Um, but that's that wasn't the draw for me. It was. Early on in my career, I remember seeing a video of, of Coach Radcliffe talking about how his philosophy affects his training. And uh, it was so different at the time. It was, I think it was uh, mid-2000s, I think I saw it. And uh, I just remember thinking, like, that makes sense. You know, like, you being a, a, an athlete that's able to move efficiently, more efficiently than your opponent is going to be the one that's successful. So... I always kind of had this this kind of desire to kind of learn from from Coach Rad. So, luckily, somehow I, I got the opportunity to come here, and, and now I can walk next door and ask him a question if I need to. You know, so I'm really fortunate for that. Um, but my interest in, in in agility, for one, came when I attended one of the conferences. Um, I think it was a CSCCA conference, and you, I'm sure you've been to one of those, right? Yeah. And so you, you kind of know the deal. Like we all kind of show up and there's all these different schools. We wear our, our, our cute little logo shirts and yeah. we walk around as a staff. And, you know, it's always funny when you walk past another staff and 
you kind of wait to see who says hi first. <laughs> Everybody's got their, their shirt on too small. Oh, and, uh, yes. Yeah, so it's always just like the big shoulder competition, right? Like who, who can be the coolest guy. And Let's puff this chest out just a little bit more. For sure, yeah. It's, it's funny, man. But, but really, we're there to kind of network and, you know, try to learn as much as we can. But I, I had kind of like an epiphany because someone kind of made a joke like, hey, guys, are you going to do the squat party tomorrow? And I was like, hell no, man. Nobody wants to see me squat 285 on the bar. Like, <laughs> that's, not, that's not me, you know? But I, I was like, man, I could probably beat these guys in a foot race or, you know, I bet I beat you in a 5-10-5. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, maybe that's kind of my niche because I've always been kind of that little, little quick guy, you know, is that undersized guy that could move pretty well. And so I started kind of just dabbling into how you can how you can teach it better and i think that's something that we don't really do that well as, as a profession um in the weight room for sure we, we know how to to teach progressions we know how to make sure that they they're proficient at their their cleans and their snatches and squatting and things like that but i think with the agility there's kind of a, a lack of, of of programming there and i think what we i fell into the same thing was that we look online and see drills and we implement it you know, and sometimes it's it's a it's a miss. Sometimes you'll you'll have the the kids come in and you'll demonstrate it, and what they do isn't what you want them to do. Right. And it's because we we miss the teaching aspect of the of the agility training. So we miss the progression. Just like you would teach a clean in 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 phases, agility needs to be taught in that same way. And that's something that I, I kind of realized over, over time was that. I kind of have to develop a system, otherwise they're not going to understand what I'm what I'm asking of them. So that was really it. Kind of became kind of my thing. Right? I kind of just became like the agility guy in my own head. And so when I train uh, my athletes now, it, it's they go through a progression, and if they're able to be proficient at the skills, and that's the biggest thing. It, it's it's not about doing drills on the on the field or on the court. It's about what skill are you trying to teach. You know, are you trying to teach power cutting? Are you trying to teach loading and pushing front side mechanics? And if they understand that prior to their session, then they understand what you're asking of them. Right. But, so it's really important for them to kind of know the, the goal for the day. So when you say these, these, um, these phrases, they understand what that feels like. You know, right. so it's, it's really a, a matter of not doing a complicated drill, but rather trying to master skills that create agility. So, and what we, what we see a lot is that we see things like footwork drills and, and ladder drills and you know all kinds of really fancy stuff online. And it's easy to get caught up in that because it looks really cool. You know, if you see a guy doing a really crazy ladder drill and he, he goes through the hurdles and he does these other stuff, and you know, what you gotta realize is that are, are, you, are you covering ground? Are you, are you actually doing agility? You know, are you projecting your, your center mass across the field or across the court if you're not then you're not really being agile you're just kind of moving your feet you know so the athletes kind of have to understand how to negotiate the ground and and get themselves projected because if if not then you're just kind of tricking them into thinking that they're training their agility when they're they're really not right yeah there's no force uh, produced at the hip there with any uh, speed ladders there so sorry it's yeah, not speed ladders, guys <laughs> um 
to, to kind of go into what you're saying right there, and I think it's really important, is everybody programs four cone drills, right? And you go around and do your four cones. What's the intent behind it? Why are you doing it? And what are you teaching your athlete? I love how you said that. And like, you're going to educate them and say like, okay, this is what we're working on today. This is what we're progressing towards. This is where I want you to be. And I don't, that's true. I haven't, I've never seen that personally in my own life with, with, with agility training whatsoever, man. So I think if we can reverse engineer it to that and educate the, the athlete that way, man, we should have a better understanding on why we're doing something versus like seeing a drill online and just throwing it in there. Cause you'll see these speed gurus and they'll do like eight, 10 different things. Well, let's just get really good at like one thing. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's probably super important just to get good at one thing. For sure. And you know, you always think about as strength coaches, we always talk about transfer, right? How the weight room transfers over to the field or to the court. Right. Really. I said that in the past too, but, we honestly don't know for sure. We, we want that to be the case where, you know, our strength training is going to, you know, increase our ability to produce force. Therefore, we'll be more powerful and we'll be able to be faster. Right. That's not always the case, as, as you know. So if you really think about transfer to the field, the agility and speed and the movement training is, is actually what's, what's transferable because you're actually moving your body right. across the field. So I think over the years, I've, I've I've come to realize that even if, even like a sport like acro, where they're required to do tumbling passes, you know, tell me that acceleration mechanics and, and efficiency is not important for that, you know? So really, if you think about practical application of training, I, I think the agility piece and the speed piece and acceleration um, demand needs to be something that we really pay attention to. Yeah. Well, when I think of agility too, I always think of that. I, th- I can't remember who said it, but they basically were like, if you can't move, we can't win. And athletes got to be able to move on the field. Right. Mm-hmm. So it would make sense to where you're going to put them in those positive positions that they're going to see at on the field. That's why I love, sure. you know, this month of September, I've seen, you know, the sprint timber thing. And I think the education piece of that is like, we don't know enough about speed and agility than we should. We know all about, like you said earlier, the squatting, the cleaning, the progressions on that, like, the weight room is great, but where we're going to see those real big gains are is like, can an athlete move and can they, do they know how to produce force? If they don't know how to pr- produce force on the field and where their body awareness and stuff like, I'm sure that's huge in your accurate, like their body awareness has got to be huge. Huge. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think, think about so. all the injuries too. Like if the kid didn't have body yeah. awareness, then they're not going to know where's that. And then boom, injury happens. And yeah, you're right. And that's, that's, it's such a, di- a dangerous sport. And that's something that personally, myself and the coaches, we haven't figured out how to make that better. We always claim the injury prevention piece of our, our, our profession, right? We're always like strength training is going to reduce injuries. But with that sport, it's so tough, man, because it's so dangerous. Right. And just the surface that they, they tumble on, the, they tumble in shoes. It's not a spring floor. It's just a very, very injury prone uh, sport. So that in itself has been pretty humbling for me because I haven't been able to really kind of figure out how to keep these girls as healthy as we want them to be. Right. Yeah. It just takes a little bit of time and a little bit of trial and error. It feels like with, with certain things for sure, man. But as we yeah. wind down here, I, I want to kind of, you know, hear what are some of the resources you use maybe outside of the weight room, whether it's podcasts, books, what do you read? What do you, what do you listen to? Um, YouTube, stuff like that. Like what helps you be not only a good coach, but a good person. 
Yeah, I think I think the biggest resource is the people that I immediately work with. Yep. Um, just the fact that I am able to have an, a boss that's that's first in this and has thirty plus years of experience in doing this. I I use him a lot. Um, the other coaches, other strength coaches that work in the department with me, just their their background. If you think about um, a background of one coach and how many resources they've they've experienced. Right. You know, and they, so they've got all their philosophies in their head and, and this next person has, if you really come together and, and, and just kind of pick each other's brain, you, you really can get a whole range of, of ideas. So I rely on, a lot on the people around me. We have um, a sports science department as well. And uh, they've been so helpful to me just because they're able to do what, what I don't know how to do very well, which is actually test what you know, if we're actually having an effect on these guys. Right. So these, these sports science guys, I mean, they're, they're top notch. They, they take pride in their jobs and they handle our testing, which is, I'm pretty spoiled um, with that, but they're so helpful because it's, it's a very objective measure. You know, they're able to say like, Hey, they are getting faster or they are jumping higher rather than us just thinking like, okay, we're breaking these weight room records and just saying that we're doing you know, we're improving athletic performance, but they're able to say yes or no to us. And they're able to help us with, with monitoring as well for practices and for loads during conditioning. So I'm so thankful for them. So the people around me for sure. And then, yeah, just like everyone else, I think YouTube and, and podcasts as well, but I I rely mostly on the people that, you know, I can talk to every day. Yeah. I think that's great, man, because they've all had an experience that, you, know, you can ask them a question and they've maybe experienced it and they can give mm-hmm. you their advice and everything like that, man. So I think that's huge. Yeah. If you could uh, give your, give advice to any young coaches out there, what would your advice be to them wanting to break into the profession or other coaches out there? Yeah, I would say if you know that this is what you want to do, don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Like I, one of my favorite quotes is from Steve Harvey. He said, if you want to kill a big dream, Tell it to a small-minded person. Like that. And that resonates with me so much because on the way to what I do now where I wake up every day and I don't hate going to work. You know, I wake up and it's like, okay, this is another day. We can, you know, I don't want to stay in bed. You know, <laughs> if this is you, if this is what you want to do, I mean, you're not going to get the approval of a lot of people. And as a person that looks like I do, I'm not the stereotypical strength coach. I'm, I'm I'm a short dude. I'm an Asian coach, which is, there's not many of us, you know, a lot of, I've experienced a lot of discrimination, not, not like racism. I don't want to say, but I'm, I'm going to say like people saying like, you're not going to be there, that good at this unless you are this, this kind of person. Right. And so I kind of fell into that. Like I need to be this big, loud, crazy guy early on. And I tried to do that but that wasn't, that wasn't me. That's just not how I communicate. And that's not how I teach and coach. So once you start to learn and figure out who you are as a coach, that's the biggest thing. And I think there's no blueprint. There's, there's just a, your passion and your, your drive to be what you want to be. So if you're a young strength coach that knows that you want to do this, you just keep your eye on the prize and you have to be willing to get dirty, man, because I've, I've done so much coaching for free. I've done internships and it's, it is worth it in the end when, when you actually get to go to work and, and love your job, you know? 
Well, I think that's some great advice, man. And I can just say on my end, you know, getting to talk with you here today and a little bit we've had interaction, man, you're a great guy. You're a great coach. You're, you're giving a great service to all your athletes, man. I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast and sharing all this great information with people. Like I said, you've got some great stuff on YouTube, man. I, I hope people reach out and, and check that out too as well. So thank you so much for being on the pod. I appreciate the shout out and thanks for reaching out, man. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Well, make sure uh, – oh, if people want to reach out to you, how can they reach out to you? Either social media, email, what's going to be easiest? Yep, I'm on pretty much everything. I'm on Instagram, uh, Twitter, and uh, I've got a YouTube channel as well. So just first and last name will get you there. Perfect. Well, Coach, yep. thank you again for being on the podcast. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, everybody, make sure you reach out to him. All of his information is going to be down in the show notes. And everybody, stay strong.